Good morning. Uh, welcome. My name is Eric. I get to be the pastor here. Good to see all your smiling faces behind your beautiful masks. Uh, but no, seriously, it's good to see you. Some of you, it's been a little while, so good to see you. And those of you who are watching online, welcome. We're so glad that you are here. Love to have you just uh, in the chat if you're watching online. Let us know you're here. Say hi to people. And uh, we have some online hosts who would love to pray with you. Uh, right now, uh, you can just click request for prayer or just someone if you want to talk to. Uh, we're, we're here for you. Uh, the most important thing you need to know about us is our mission. We're here to help people love God, serve others, and make disciples. That's why we exist. Uh, man, this has been quite the week, right? Uh, man, election season, crazy stuff. Uh, here's what I'd like you to do is if everyone could just kind of uh, close your eyes right now if you feel comfortable and uh, just take a deep breath. <sighs> Let it out. <sighs> and uh, just imagine right now just picture God's kingdom just advancing and spreading across our city, across our state, across our nation. God, we are here today as citizens of your kingdom. God, we pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we thank you that you are on the throne, that you are our king. So Jesus, in these next 20, 30 minutes, we just pray that we just be able to breathe and relax and let go of, of just kind of the last week, the last eight months of everything that's just been going on. And we pray, God, that this would just be a time where your peace would guard our hearts and minds. God, that we'd just be filled with your hope. And God, that your words would be speak through me to uh, just communicate the message that everyone here, everyone who's watching online needs to hear. In your name we pray, amen. We've been in this series on the spiritual habits, and today we're talking about talking with God or prayer. And prayer is our primary duty as apprentices of Jesus. Prayer is our primary duty as apprentices of Jesus. It's not the only thing we do, but it is our primary responsibility. Prayer reminds us that there is a king on the throne. You know, our secondary citizenship is to America. As followers of Jesus, those of us who bow the knee to him, our primary citizenship is to the kingdom of God. And prayer recenters us to bow our knee to our king and remind ourselves that he is the one that we're serving. We've been in this series, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus we said when Jesus invites people to be his followers, it's this, this word talmudim, which can be translated as disciple, or uh, I think a better word is apprentice. And so our goal as followers of Jesus is to apprentice ourselves to Jesus. And we said, what does that mean? Well, we want to be with Jesus. We want to become like Jesus. And then we want to do the things that Jesus did, or more precisely, do the things that Jesus would do if he was our gender, if he had our job, if he lived in our city, if he came from our socioeconomic background. What would Jesus do? Those are things that we want to do. We said that to be with Jesus, we have to be plugged in, connected to him. In John 15, it says that he is the vine, that we are the branches. We need to be plugged into him. And how do we become like Jesus? We said that there are these spiritual practices, these spiritual habits that act kind of like a trellis that a vine grows on to give it some structure to help it grow. And in the same way, the spiritual habits, the spiritual practices are those things that can help us grow to become like Jesus, to be apprentices to Jesus. 
And so we're in this series called Spiritual Habits. We said that sticking with the right habits help you get real results. If you want to make change in your business, in your uh, physical life, in, in your financial world, in your spiritual life, you have to have the right habits to get real results. We've said that the goal of being an apprentice of Jesus is transformation. That Jesus loves us just the way we are, but he has a vision for our life to become like Jesus. I've said many times that, you know, I love my kids so much. Ten, I have four kids, 10, 8, 5, and 2. Nothing they do will ever change my love for them, but I do have a vision for the kind of young men and women I want them to grow into be. Same thing with Jesus. He has a, a vision for us, and so our goal is to be transformed. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, the Apostle Paul writes this, and we all, with unveiled face, someday we'll be able to have unveiled face. Amen? Uh, Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Jesus wants us to be transformed that what we do on a regular basis, though we become, the things we do do something to us. How we spend our days is literally how we're going to spend our life. And change the joint effort between you and God. God has a part to play and you have a part to play. If that makes you nervous, I love this quote by Dallas Willard. Grace isn't opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. Our standing is right before God. We don't have to earn it. However, grace isn't opposed to effort to us working to, to, to learn how to study God's word, how to meditate on his word, how to pray, how, how to respond with a joyful heart, these kind of things. And just like there's physical habits that can help us get in shape physically, and there's financial habits that will help us, uh, our finances, there are spiritual habits that are good for our soul. It's not about trying, it's about training to become what Jesus has declared us to be. And so in this series of habits, first one, H, hanging out with other believers. Remember that we had, we had the table up here? And uh, we said that, that Greek word adelphoi really means brothers and sisters, your siblings. And Jesus says, those who do my will are my brothers and sisters. That more than just kind of the blood that brings us together like family members who are related, the spirit brings us together into God's family. Spirit is thicker than blood. And all are welcome at the table, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you. And, and we can't do the Christian life alone. We have to be with other believers. Even in this time where we are quarantined and separated, that may look different. It may look like, you know, set up Zoom calls with someone so that you can interact with them, you know, online if you're not leaving your home. You know, whatever that means, we need to be hanging out with other believers. We talked about to be active in your church there's 59 commandments in the New Testament that are one another commands. Bear one another's burdens. Pray for one another. Care for one another. Show hospitality to one another. Confess your sins to one another. We cannot do the one another commands by ourselves. We can only obey the one another's when we are in community with one another. And then last week we talked about Bible engagement. We said, you know, there's kind of two primary ways we engage with the Bible, with our heads and with our hearts. With our heads, we wanted to take time sometimes to study God's Word. In my Mosaic Midweek online video last week, we talked about Blue Letter Bible. is a phenomenal online resource. Get some information on the original Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic. Um, there's different study Bibles you can get. Uh, commentaries to help you really engage with the text. But then there's also engaging with God's Word with our hearts. We talked about Lexio Divina. Uh, you know, where you want to come to the text to meet with Jesus. Less about your head, more about your heart. Uh, you know, uh, putting yourself into the story. Uh, meditation, memorization. And then uh, 
and then we talk about investing financially in God's kingdom. That it's not that God needs our money. He, he has more than enough resources. But God's vision for us is someone to be generous. And, and so how do we invest in things that last and things that matter? And, and, and God isn't trying to get something from us. He wants something for us and wants us to live generous lives, to live open-handed. And, you know, how can we bless the world around us? And now we're on to the T, talking with God. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about prayer. Uh, you know, in my life, uh, prayer has been such a journey. Uh, you know, I grew up in, in, a, in a wonderful church with these uh, particularly women in our church who just pray up a storm. And when I went off to college, just, just you know, I went through this season of, of, of being really good in prayer times, other times not being so good. And just in my journey of the last 20 years uh, or so especially, I've noticed there are times when, man, my prayer life is great. Uh, things are good. Like, I, I'm ready to engage with God. And then there's times, you know, when we went through our season of infertility, when uh, went through job loss, you know, when we're just going through uh, friendship betrayals or just uncertainty, there were times, you know, when I struggled to pray. And it just it, it felt like, God, are you listening? And so kind of wherever you are today, I want you to know that's okay. That prayer is a lifelong journey. If you're at this place where maybe, you know, you're just struggling to pray and you're uncertain and you feel like just a bad Christian, I don't want you to feel that way. We, God doesn't want you to feel shame or guilt. But hopefully today we can just kind of help you on your journey of, of talking with God, give you some, some ways to just meet with him. I, I'm going to teach a little bit and then I'm going to invite uh, at the end of my message uh, Sue and Rachel to come up and I'm just going to interview them and just talk to them a little bit about their journey of prayer. The beautiful thing about God is that God meets us where we are and then slowly leads us into deeper things. And so what's nice is he doesn't, doesn't just throw us in the deep end, but he meets us where we are. And then he, over time, leads us into these deeper things. And so if we continue to exercise the spiritual discipline of prayer, we can expect to pray with greater authority and spiritual success than we currently do. It is possible to learn to pray with greater effectiveness. And God has devised prayer as a means of enlisting us as participants in the work that he has ordained as part of his sovereign lordship over all. And God has the wisdom and the power to use our prayers as he sees fit that we can never imagine. Now here's the, the tension, the mystery we have to live with. The beautiful thing about God is it's not just some scientific thing where you can check off the boxes and you know, read a, a scientific book about him, but there is mystery, there's tension in all this. And so we live with this tension between my good God ordains all things for, his, for my good and his glory. But also God invites me to, pr to pray to him and promises to respond to my prayers. So we know God is going to work it all out. God is sovereign. God is in control. But there's a tension. He also invites us to partner with him to pray. And there are times he waits to act until his people pray. And so there's this tension we're going to live with. But hopefully the idea that our prayers actually do make a difference is a liberating idea, but also sets a tremendous responsibility before us. We are working with God to determine the future, that our prayers really can make a difference. If you have your Bibles or if your Bible app, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 11, and Jesus is going to tackle our biggest frustration in prayer, which is why is it sometimes when we pray and we ask God, he doesn't answer our prayers? Maybe that has been so discouraging to you. There's something you've been praying about, praying about, and praying about, and God has not answered yet. 
But the good news is that Jesus addresses this frustration. Luke 11, verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples, his Talmudim, said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John the Baptist taught his disciples. And the disciples are saying, you know, we're good Jewish boys. We've grown up saying our prayers. We know the whole deal. But when you pray, it's different. Obviously, you know something about prayer that we don't. Can you teach us how to pray? And Jesus says, sure, you know, I'll teach you how to pray. So the first thing we can see here is that you can be taught how to pray. It's not just something that comes naturally to some people, not to others, but you can be taught how to pray. Verse 2, and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. All right, if you grew up in the church and you read this, you're like, wait a minute, Jesus, you just misquoted the Lord's Prayer. You left out all these parts, like you didn't say it right. You got the kingdom come, but you forgot your will be done. Like how did Jesus mess up the Lord's Prayer, right? Well, what's going on here is probably Jesus has taught on the Lord's Prayer before, and so now he's just kind of giving a review. He's saying, all right, here's kind of the big five. Number one, honor God when you pray. You know, Father, hallowed, holy is your name. Number two, pray for God's kingdom to expand. We're citizens of God's kingdom. Number three, ask God to meet your daily needs. Number four, confess your sins to him. And then five, ask God to lead you and guide you away from temptation. These are kind of some of the basics of prayer Jesus is saying. And then Jesus launches into this story about what happens when you don't get what you want, when, when, Jesus is, when God is not responding to your prayer. Verse 5, and he said to them, while we're on the subject of prayer, let me give you this scenario. Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get, get up and give you anything. So the disciples are probably thinking, maybe you're thinking, like, Jesus, thought you are talking about prayer. Why are you talking about this story? What's the, what's the deal with this guy in bed and asking for bread? Jesus is like, hang on just a minute. This is going to get to the point. He says, I tell you, though he will not give up, get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence or persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. The point is here that he won't give up and give him, give him some bread just because he's his friend, but the fact that this guy's going to stand there and keep knocking and keep knocking, finally, out of frustration, he's going to go, good grief. He's going to wake up his wife. He's going to get some bread and say, here, fine, take the bread, go feed your friends and leave me alone. Jesus is saying, even if he's not going to do it out of friendship, he's, just because he's irritated, the guy won't go away. He's going to give him some bread. Now, let's talk about parables. That's what this is. It's an earthly story with some heavenly applications for us today. When we read a parable, we want to ask kind of who are we in this story and who is God? Uh, you know, in the prodigal son, you know, we are either one of two characters. Typically, we're the one who runs away, wants nothing to do with God and do everything our own. That's the younger son. Or we're typically the older brother who runs to religion to get God off our back. And, you know, we don't like to see grace extended to those who run away and squander God's will. And God is the father who runs to meet both his younger son and his older son. And the parable of the Good Samaritan. Who are we? Well, we're not the Good Samaritan, I can tell you that much. <laughs> That's Jesus. That's God who comes to meet us in our brokenness. We are the man who's beaten, who is unable to save himself. And so Jesus comes to rescue us and re redeem us. And so in every parable, we say, who are we and who is God? So Jesus tells the story about a man who's at home in bed and, and someone's knocking on the door. It's like, okay, the disciples are like, all right, I think I'm that person who's knocking, asking for something, but then who is God? 
Well, then God is that cranky guy in bed. Like, Jesus, you're not making God look too good in this story. But what Jesus is saying is God is not bothered by your persistence. Sometimes he's moved by it. He's not irritated by the fact that we keep asking and asking and asking. In fact, God is honored by your persistent, consistent prayer. Jesus is telling us, when you pray, tell him you're great, you're surrendered to him, and oh yeah, don't quit asking. Because your persistent prayer has the potential to move the heart of God. Here's how Jesus interprets it, in case we miss it. Verse 9, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find Knock, and it will be opened to you. God wants us to keep asking and seeking and knocking, and don't give up. Jesus is saying, you ask me how to pray, here is what I'm saying. Don't quit asking. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Because your Father is honored by your persistent, consistent prayer. Verse 10, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now I'm sure some of you are thinking, I know all these exceptions. I asked God to do this and it wasn't answered. Jesus is saying, I get it. My friends Mary and Martha asked that their brother Lazarus wouldn't die and he died. I gotta be honest, this is one of my biggest frustrations, and, and, and I don't understand it. We have people in our church I'm praying every day for to be able to have children, whether through adoption or naturally, and, and we have couples in our church that God has answered that prayer, and, and it's so amazing to see their little babies, and there are still families that are waiting, and I don't understand, but I can tell you what Jesus says is that God is honored by our persistent, consistent prayers. And sometimes in our asking and seeking and knockings, God does something in us, the asker and the seeker and the knocker. Because there's times when we're asking for something and, and we want God to do something or we're refusing to give up, but in the process, we realize perhaps that we're praying for the wrong thing. And what God wants for us is something over here. But we wouldn't have known that if we had drilled down and, and, and hear God say, no, that's not the right thing. Before we moved back to Minnesota and, and, and planted Mosaic Church. We were in Wisconsin, and, and I was feeling God called me to be a, a lead pastor, and there was a church uh, in St. Paul that uh, I spent nine months going through the interviewing process with, and, and interview after interview after interview, and guest preaching, and all these things, and it came down to me and another guy, and, and I'm praying, and I was absolutely sure that's where God wanted us to move from Packerland, Wisconsin, back to Minnesota, to, to St. Paul, and, and to be the pastor of this church. And, and I drove to that church, and, and I drove around it, and I prayed, and I believe this is where God wants us to be, and I could visualize it, and I could see it. Until they called me and said, no, we're going to hire the other guy. He's already gone, by the way. Uh, but, you know, that was devastating. I was, like, I was so confused. I felt like that was clearly where, where God wanted us to be. But as we then kept praying, God clearly said, no, that wasn't the right situation. It was to come here, to Maple Grove, Osseo area, and, and to start this church. And now looking back on the five years of all the highs and the lows and, 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 and the amazing 
watching 40 people be baptized in the last five years and people get healed and, and, and marriage is healed and marriage is broken and, and good and the bad. And to see, okay, this is where we're supposed to be. But I prayed for those nine months so, so hard and believed that's where I was supposed to be. But I needed to keep asking, keep seeking and knocking, and then God revealed that I was asking for the wrong thing in that moment. James Clear is the author of, uh, of a book, Atomic Habits. We've been, I said, if you want some information on habits, it's a really, really good book. It's, it's not a Christian book at all, but it's really good. But he says, every action you take is a vote for the kind of person you want to be. Every action you take is a vote for the kind of person you want to be. If you want to be a person who prays with more power and authority today, or in a year from now than today, then you're going to need to have some habits to say, okay, I want to take the actions to be the kind of person who prays persistently and consistently with authority, with belief. And as you start to do that, day after day after day, each one of those actions is a vote for the kind of person you're going to be. Uh, one thing you can do is even get on your calendar, and maybe there's a habit that you really want to develop. Uh, just get a certain calendar for that and put a big red X every time you do that. And there is something uh, in our heads that gives us a little dopamine hit when you see this string of X's on that calendar. Maybe it's workouts, maybe it's getting up before your kids and, and, and praying every morning, maybe it's starting your day in God's Word before going to your news apps or social media. We've talked about the need for silence and solitude, set 10-minute timer on your phone. Maybe that's the thing you want to work on. But every action we take is a vote for the kind of person that we want to be. I'm going to invite uh, Rachel and Sue to come on up, and we're going to be over here. And I'm just going to ask them some questions about kind of their journey uh, in prayer. And uh, then um, I'm going to talk a little bit more, and then we'll wrap up actually with a time of, of ministry for those who would actually like to be prayed for. Uh, we do believe in the power of prayer, and we want to give you the opportunity before you leave today to have someone pray for you. And so, uh, if you just give us one second. Uh, Rachel, if you could grab this mic, red. Red for Rachel. And Sue, that mic right there. Perfect. Um, if you didn't notice, um, this is not our set design. Uh, there's a play going on here today at 2.30, and I saw they had a desk set up. And I've always wanted to be like Conan O'Brien. So I'm going to sit at the desk and interview him. So here we go. Let's give this a try. Sit here. Uh, We talked about Mike Berg being um, my uh, announcer, but maybe next time. Can you guys still see me? Yeah? Yeah, good. We're good? All right. Why don't you guys scoot back just a half a foot each? This is how we roll here at Mosaic. Uh, Welcome. We're so glad that you guys are here tonight. Give them a hand. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. We're just having some fun here. Um, you guys on? White and red. Let me see real quick. You're off. And off. Perfect. Um, can you guys just introduce yourselves and... Tell us one fun fact about yourselves. The questions are really hard. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us where you were born and uh, where you live now. Okay. Well, my name is Sue Meggers, and I was born in Alexandria, Minnesota, back in the 50s. 
and um, the land of town of many, many resorts and lakes. And so that's where I was born. And where do you live now? We live three blocks from this church. <laughs> so we live on 93rd Avenue. We're just that gray Cape Cod across the street when you turn into the, the road to get here. So we're close. Perfect. Hi. Um, can you hear me? You can hear me, right? Okay. Hi, my name is Rachel. I was born in Morovia, Liberia. I've been in America since I was like nine. I'm fighting to keep my accent. I'm still fighting on it. So <laughs> my brothers and sister has no accent. I'm the only person. I'm still because I find it, it's like a conversation. People like, hey, where are you from? Everybody thought I was from Jamaica when I lived in New York. Everybody thought, you know, when I first came, I was nine years old. And I was in elementary school. And everybody thought I was from Louisiana. I didn't know where Louisiana was. <laughs> but it made everybody get off my back. I just said, yeah. It's like, you from Louisiana? Yeah. Yeah, and that's... And now um, I lived in, I grew up in New York. I lived in a little bit in Rhode Island, New Jersey, and then here. And now I live in um, New Hope. Awesome. Very cool. Um, Sue, tell us a little bit kind of about just uh, kind of your faith experience growing up and then kind of what was your experience with prayer and then when did kind of you feel like uh, you kind of maybe had an aha moment where uh, prayer became something that was kind of of more real to you and just something that uh, wasn't just something like as a kid, maybe just that felt more authentic. Okay. Um, I was brought up Catholic. Um, I was a good little Catholic girl. So I remember always being in prayer. It was kind of like, I'm so sorry, I'm so bad, and help me to be good. Was, that was my nighttime prayer. Um, but always been really aware of God's presence for some reason. And um, we were, uh, Tim and I met Tim uh, back in the 70s, uh, and uh, we were high school sweethearts. And during that time, there was the Jesus People Movement, and uh, we, uh, we just um, were drawn into that. Um, there was the revivals going on in Alec in certain ways, and there was the New Testament church that things were really um, firing up there. And um, so we uh, were a part of that. So around 20 is when we gave our hearts to the Lord. And um, during that time, uh, there were a lot of meetings and stuff. And one of the things that really uh, impacted me as far as prayer goes is I went to a uh, meeting that was called Butterflies Are Free back in the 70s. And uh, it was a Catholic nun that was teaching it, and it was on the silent prayer. And it was um, just something that impacted me because I, I, then I knew that I could be listening for God. I didn't always have to be talking, but there's a lot of listening that goes on in prayer so that, um, so that you can hear his voice. And I think that that is something that has carried me through just um, being able to sit and listen and respond. Good, thank so. you. Uh, Rachel, same question. Kind of tell us about your, kind of how you grew up, uh, religion, spiritual, and then kind of when prayer became something that really felt like it was authentic and real to you. Well, um, when I was little, there was a church by my house, and I used to hear the people singing. So I was drawn to that. 
I don't know if my grandmother prayed for me or who prayed for me, but as a kid, going all the way back, before I ate, I prayed. I always pray. And when, I think when it comes to prayer, you have to test God, because that's how I knew God, that God answers prayer. When I was little, I prayed for this, and I keep praying, and I hear people say, um, persistent kill resistance, so keep praying. So I pray, and then what happened? I would pray, and what happened? And that's how I got to know God for myself and to continue to pray. My mother never went to church. It was just a community, people going to church, and, and I just started to pray. Since I, I, all the way back that I can remember, and um, I tested God in 2009. This is where I knew my God is real. In 2009, I was pregnant with my little daughter over there. They had my baby shower, and I was breathing, and the girl next to me said, why you sound like that? You sound so heavy. You know, you're breathing so heavy. I've been back and forth to the doctor. I'm like, something's wrong. The doctor's like, nothing's wrong. So the night after my baby shower, I was sleeping, and it seemed like somebody touched me and said, get up and pray. I was so exhausted, and I said, my God, you know what's going to happen, so just take care of it. I'm sleepy. I went back to bed. But then it was like, get up and pray. That's still little voice, get up and pray. And I started to pray, and I kept praying, God, you know, save my baby. I prayed, you know, for my baby, and I just kept praying. By 6 o'clock that evening, I was in coma. I, I was sitting there at 5 o'clock. I told my husband at the time, I said, I can't breathe. There's something's wrong. And he was like, oh, I'm watching the Viking games. There's nothing wrong. And he just kept going on. And I said, no, there's something wrong. He took me to Unity Hospital. And I remember the last thing they said to me, what was, it said, what is your phone number? And I just, I felt like I was drowning. And I started screaming. As I was closing my eyes, I saw the word G-O-D, God, in bold letters in red. And it just started to fade away. And then I said, oh, my God, I'm going to go to sleep. And the doctor was like, no, incubate her. You know, just like that. And I woke up. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what happened. But I believed that prayer, that little still voice. You have to know God for yourself and pray. There's that little voice. It's not like getting up and running all around the place. Sometimes you just get up and say, God, everything's great for me, but thank you. You woke me up. Look how many people didn't wake up this morning. So that's just how I've been living my life. But when that experience happened to me, and I woke up. The doctor that was there was a merman. He's um, from the merman church. He said, he said, are you a Christian? That's the first question he asked me. And I said, um, what? I didn't even know where I was. <laughs> and he held my hand and he said, Jesus wants you to live for a reason. Because hmm. there's no reason you should be here. We have thrown everything, including the kitchen sink at you. There <laughs> is no reason you should be here. And I woke up with the assurance that God was as real as you and I sitting here. I don't know what happened. I don't remember what happened. But that bold, it, it just was like, I know that my God is real. And he has never failed me. And I always say this prayer, and I encourage people, no matter what's going on around you, remember our God said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. I'm from all the way Africa, <laughs> in a little town. <laughs> I'm here. I've gone to school. I have done things in my family that nobody has done, and I believe it's because of prayer. Mm. Just keep praying. If you don't see it, doesn't mean it's a no. It's not yet. Joe Biden, how old was he when he started? 
I was praying about this election, and I heard a voice say to me, how old was Abraham when I gave him a child? I knew the answer to the election. In time, in due time, it will happen. If it doesn't happen, then that wasn't his plan for you. That's my encouragement to everybody, but just keep praying. Praying in season, out of season. In time of peace, prepare for war. Mm. Keep praying. <laughs> That's what my grandmother always say. You don't have to wait till you have problems to pray. You don't have to wait till when everything goes, because that's how we are. And when things are good, nobody prays. It's like, mm, yeah, I'm fine. When we get that diagnosed, we get that this, we get this, then we're here praying. But sometimes you just wake up over your children. God, speak. Life and death lies in the tongue. Just speak over your children. I pray that, you know, you become who God intends you to be. You know, just all those things, just little prayer. In the morning, I read my Bible. In the evening, I'm not perfect, but it's habit. It's just a habit for a little girl. And I don't know why, because nobody in my family was doing that. But somebody must have got up and prayed for me to be that person. And I encourage you, no matter what you see, do not live by sight. Keep your faith. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff. Uh, wow, I don't know where to go from there. Uh, Sue, uh, just, just share a little bit, too. Just... Um, uh, just kind of what would you tell someone maybe who grew up like you uh, in maybe Catholic tradition or, or Lutheran or just where, you know, maybe they grew up more shame-based prayers or just kind of wrote or, and maybe um, something they memorized or, and feel like uh, either right now they're struggling to pray or, you know, is God even listening? Um, what, what, what encouragement or what would you share with someone who's kind of in that place right now? Well, I would say um, prayer to me is like conversation. We're just having a conversation with God, and, and everybody has a, a relationship um, with their father, an, an earthly relationship with their father. Um, but if you have siblings, you realize that people's relationship with that father, the different siblings have a different type of relationship. And um, I would just encourage you to find out uh, how God communicates with you. Um, and sometimes just listening and waiting and asking questions and asking God, you know, what about this? It's a conversation with your Heavenly Father. Um, the other thing is we, we do serve a triune God. And we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And there are different times when I think sometimes it's confusing. Well, who am I praying to? Am I, am I praying to the Holy Spirit? Am I praying to Jesus? Who am I praying to the Father? And yeah, we're, we're praying to all of them, but sometimes God the Father will come to him, or sometimes Jesus, our Lord and Savior, will come to him, or the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher and our helper, and will pray in the Holy Spirit. So I think that God is very patient, and he knows that this can be very confusing. But as we sit, and we wait, and we listen, and then we do, um, he's always faithful, and he's going to see us through to the end. And sometimes it just takes that time of just quieting yourself, and listening, and um, just giving him time to work in your heart. Uh, and I, I look at my walk like... Um, I know it's, it's kind of weird, but 
you know, like uh, a way of cooking the meat, right? And some people, you put the oven on at 350, you put it in for an hour and it's done. And then you think, okay, and then we have an evangelist in the family. You threw him, uh, God threw him on an open spit fire. And, you know, he's crusty around the outside and, you know, a little around the inside and, you know, it, it works. Oh, I'm like a crock pot. <laughs> he, God kind of threw me on the pan, kind of browned the edges, and threw me in a crock pot for 40 years. And uh, so uh, it's taken a while to get to a place where I really feel like, yeah, this... Thank you, Lord. You're so good to me, and you're so. We've seen um, so many miracles, and uh, so many people come to the Lord. And I mean, we were just two drug addict teenagers when we met. You know, it was not. You know, we 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 started really. You know, here, and God has just been so faithful and blessed us so much. So I would just encourage you: just press in. He's there. He's never going to leave you. He knows your heart. And he will speak to you. And you don't have to jump through hoops for God. You, you, he, you already have his attention. So I just encourage you to just keep pressing in. And uh, thank you. That's good. Uh, Rachel, kind of last word. Someone maybe who's just struggling today, feel like God's not listening or God, God's not answering them. Um, I don't know, Erin, any just kind of parting words you feel like sharing today? <laughs> God takes his own time. <laughs> That's one thing I've learned. And nobody can help God be God. God is God all by himself. In the Bible, he says, I bless who I want to bless and I curse who I want to curse. Nothing you can do about it. So with that encouragement, I say to you, continue to pray. God's ways is not our way. The plan is not our plan. If, if my plan, I would be a millionaire right now sitting here. But it's not <laughs> his will. It's not our will. So we just need to pray and pray that God shows us that our prayer is in line with his will. And just to encourage people, you don't need, and I know a lot of time I get a lot of young, younger people asking this. You don't need to be like spiritually moving around like the Holy Ghost, you know, caught you or something. Sometimes you just wake up, God, I thank you for waking me up this morning. God, I thank you for the plans you have for my life. I know I will rejoice in the land of the living because when I'm there, I can't praise you. I say that all the time to God. So I just want to encourage you that just um, continue to pray. Continue to, you know, talk to God like she said. It's just a conversation. I had a whole argument with God when I woke up from that um, <laughs> from that coma. I mean, I was angry, very angry, because I couldn't believe it happened to me that I pray every day. I read my Bible. Here's my sister here drinking, partying, and she's fine and healthy. So, this, you know, some of those things, all fingers are not equal for a reason. There will always be king, queens, and, you know, there's, you know, stages in life. So sometimes, you know, if you're having problems and you're seeing that your prayers are not being answered, continue to pray. Let God show you that your prayer is in line with his will for your life. Just because there's a delay, it doesn't mean no. It just means you're not ready yet or it is not for you. It is not, in, you know, it's not destined for you at this time. But in due time, because I've been praying for a while for something, <laughs> and I'm waiting for God to answer me. But I will keep praying. It won't stare, you know, stare me from not praying because at the end of the day, God is still God on the throne. No matter what is happening, our God is real. 
and he's still God. Dope. There's people going, people coming. People going, people coming. So, you know, things happening. Some people are blessed than others. Some, and like he said, just keep praying. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. Keep that in mind no matter what you're going through. And at the end of the day, let his will be done. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Uh, can you give the ladies a hand? Thank you so much. Actually, keep it up back over there. Thank you.